Welcome to the Legend of the Death Race podcast. I'm your host, Tony Matisse, and every week we share legends from past death racers on the courage, power, and wisdom it takes to conquer life's obstacles. All of us death racers aspire to inspire you to create a life past your limits. All right, today's legend follows the story of death racer Leah Erickson, who competed in one death race. Leah, welcome to the show. Hi, it's good to be on. How are you doing? I am all right. I'm really excited about this. I'm honored. I'm excited. Death race is still a huge part of my life, so any way that I can still feel connected, I welcome. That's awesome. I'm glad that it's still part of your life. So let's just get a little background on you. Where are you from? Tell us you know, what you do and just give us a little background and of course, we'd always like to know like how old someone was when they did the death race, how old they are now, kind of get an idea where they were at their life when they were doing this, and then we can maybe dive into your athletic background. Okay, so I grew up in the suburbs of Boston. My mom was a single mom. I rode horses throughout childhood, and I did track and field and cross country. I was a runner. I was very athletic. Then I moved to the deep south to train horses professionally, and I lived in the south for the better part of two decades. And I was not competitive. I didn't do anything beyond equestrian competition. And then I moved to Vegas to go to pharmacy school after Katrina, which plays a okay. lot into why I did Death Race. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then I, during, I was a chubby middle-aged mom. Okay. <laughs> and and uh, I found Camp Rhino. The yep, Camp Julie Rhino. Johnson. Yeah, Julie Johnson. Right, yeah, right. yeah. So I got super, super involved with those people. Like I know Julie still, she texts me and I was so involved with them and I had built a whole life around them and I got immersed in Spartan race culture. That's and awesome. So yeah. that's how I found out about death race. And it was during a Camp Rhino event that it actually, I thought I could do it. Oh, very so, cool. Yeah. I ran into Barger in the middle of the night. Rob Barger? Rob Barger. He's like come up in almost every podcast we talked about. The guy's a legend. Right? (laughs) Right? So I ran into him. We were doing this like nighttime endurance event and, you know, there was nobody manning the stations. And that was back when he lived in Vegas, right? In Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. We were doing one of Julie's crazy supper fests. Okay. And I just kept looping around and running into him. And he finally, we were just chatting, just ran into each other. And I didn't know this guy, but he was clearly like a legit athlete, you know? And he said, you should, you should hook up with my friend Sisu. And I was like, oh, Sisu, what's that? (laughs) (laughs) And that's what started all of it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And Sisu, for those who don't know, is an endurance group of athletes that come out of the California region, kind of that West Coast. Obviously, I'm part of Sisu. I'm part of the Sisu Endurance. We host the Sisu 24. But Sisu is a Finnish word. And that word is basically not really translatable in English. But the best, closest translation you get to is basically grit, perseverance, tenacity, just overcoming all adversity, no matter what. And it's a very, very good group to get connected with. So you got connected with them. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, it was, you know, it was the middle of the night kind of thing. And then I got hooked up with them. And that night was when I thought, oh, I I should do death race because the achievement, you know, that you get addicted to that feeling of accomplishment. Right. Yeah. And it just the the regular little things weren't doing it anymore. So I needed the next thing. 
and the next thing was death race. So I, I did it. <laughs> Very cool. So you found out about the death race through this camp rhino event that you were doing with, and Rob Barger was there. And so you signed up for it. And so, yeah, I hope he sees this and knows that it's because <laughs> of him. Like he, was like, he looked at me like, because I had heard of Sisu and, I, and endurance and I obviously knew about death race. And if he was, he thought I was good enough. This like <laughs> me to be with them that I was like, well, maybe. All right. You know, let's so, give it a shot. Yeah. So he gave, yeah, you, he gave you that little bit of confidence you needed to like, yeah. Yeah, he has no idea that he did that, but I guess that's, that's super it. cool. Now he's in and out. Now you exactly. know, now, now you know, Rob. You're the reason. Well, that's awesome. So, what year was it that you competed in the death race? I did 2014 Year of the Explorer. 2000. Oh, the Year of the Explorer. That's correct. I remember because yes. I was there, and it was <laughs> that was quite the year. <laughs> yes. yes. And how old were you when you competed in that death race? If you don't mind, I was 45. 45 years old. That's I'm 50 now. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. So, you know, what was the why? I mean, he told you to do this, but what was your why? Like, why did you want to do it? I did everything that I did because of Hurricane Katrina. Because when my buildings were laying scattered across my property and my kids were seven, five and an eight month old that was still breastfeeding, I didn't do so good at coming through that. You know, we did okay that week, but the next two years were one big fall apart, one big descent into madness. Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't, I have no idea. I've never lived through any sort of crazy natural disaster like that. I don't know, honestly, how I would do in something like that. You really uh, can't predict it. <laughs> no, you can't. So it wasn't a good experience, obviously. And I'm, I'm sure for most people who were there, it wasn't a good experience. And they probably weren't prepared for it. And, you know, unfortunately, now our climate is making us more and more prepared for this. But exactly. That was, am, your, uh, that was your why. You wanted to be more prepared for the unexpected. Exactly. If it were ever to happen again. I wanted again. to come through. I wanted to be strong enough and have enough grit and mental strength and physical strength to deal with anything life throws at me. That's right. That's, I mean, I think that's a great reason to do something like this because this event is, it's what it's all about. It's about the unexpected you don't know when the start is you don't know when the finish is you don't know what they're going to put you through right can you figure it out that's what you're I trying did to some googling it was some scary shit <laughs> I did some googling. we're talking about like 2012 and i began to like look at my phone about what the hell this thing is and, what, did, and, what did i sign up for right and it's every list is like top 10 hardest endurance events in the world and blah 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 and it's like Oh my God. But as time went on, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to throw my name in the hat. And so I did. And I went out there. I had two people to help me. Mm-hmm. So you had two crew members? Yeah. Very and cool. uh, Phoebe Brimer, shout out, shout out. Shout out. Tara Spencer, shout out, shout out. I was just talking to Tara today. I had three. <laughs> Hillary Francis, Hillary Francis, shout out, shout out. I had three people to come and help me. Very cool. One of my favorite memories of death race is do you remember when we had to go up and down the mountain such and such many miles before 7:30 we had to get a certain amount of trips up back and forth before 7:30 in the morning was that I 20 know. i thought that was 2014 it was 2014 2014 yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 you so i was falling asleep on my poles mm-hmm. coming down those steps terrified that i was going to crack my face on the stones and you 
were crashing around in the woods behind me. And you'd be coming barrel assing down that mountain, coming in hot, coming in hot. That's what you kept saying. And you would wake me up. And I swear to God, you saved my life because I would wake up because here comes Tony. <laughs> and oh wow, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. And I made, I made it. I made it through everything. I made it through until hour fifty-one. I made it through everything. I was on the yellow bus. What bus were you on? I got on the yellow bus too. We were on the same bus. We were on the yellow bus. Yeah, we were on the same bus. I was like one of the last passengers, and I barely, I think I had like a little inch of, you know, seat (laughs) that I got to sit on or something. I was like middle of the bus on the right. Okay. Okay. I don't even remember where I was. I I fell asleep on the bus. I also fell asleep on the bus. You know, like they they threatened us not to fall asleep, but I definitely fell asleep. asleep. (laughs) Everyone, I think everyone fell asleep on both buses. Absolutely. Uh, So at the 2014 death race, there were. You know, for the audience that doesn't know, there was a period of time, and you can actually read about this in my book, but there was two different buses. And on one bus, it was yellow bus, and one bus was a really nice, fancy luxury bus. And we had to make a decision on which bus to get on. And if you know anything about death race, you would assume that getting on the uncomfortable bus is the right decision. And you would <laughs> think that getting on the comfortable bus is the wrong decision. To this day, I don't really know which was the right decision. I think it's debatable, but I think the guys that got on the nicer bus probably got the better end of the deal than what we did because we got subjected to just hours and hours of labor and work and circus fun at Peter Borden's, and it was just ridiculous. Yes. Remember can read- the unicycle? Oh, my the gosh. Unicycle. The unicycle and the slack line. And yes. I'm a I'm alert. I'm alive. That, that whole that was song. Where I away. That was where I quit. Yeah. At Borden's farm. So you quit. What happened there? Why did you quit? So I have, and what the irony, so many regrets, all the regrets, because I've learned since then, I have Baker cysts behind both knees. I don't know if you know what those are. but I don't know. Little, Tell us so that way we understand. They're little, and yeah, because this could help somebody else out there that doesn't know what this is. It's like a little sack, of, almost like a hernia, and oh. they fill up with synovial fluid, extra synovial fluid. You know, the joints being used a lot and it generates a lot more fluid because of all the friction. And when mine swell up because of the position of them, they make it so that my, I can't straighten out my leg. Oh, that sounds awful. So I had that behind both knees. I've since learned that a 10 minute massage will make the fluid go down, oh. but I did not know that then. then. Oh, wow. And that happened behind both knees and they were to the point where I couldn't straighten my legs out. And that would not have stopped me. That in and of itself would not have stopped me. I would have wrapped him up and kept going. But I had a conversation with somebody who shall remain nameless. Okay. And you know how, and this is like not a crystal clear memory. It was like. I mean, we're 50 something hours in. It's it's hard for these memories, especially this many years removed. (laughs) Right. It's like a dream state. So, you know, I know it was real, but it doesn't feel real. Mm Mm-hmm. So I had a conversation with this person who said to me, you know, it's okay to quit. (laughs) And I said, really? Are you serious? It's okay? Like you were giving me the best Christmas present of all time. And I was like, okay, I I will. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. That's rough. How did that make you feel? Later, like the stupidest. Who goes 51 hours and quits? I do. Hey, you know, you know, we talk, we had a, we had a podcast with Ken Lubin recently and he was at the 2012 death race with me. They were like six hours ahead, him and two other guys, the three of them. They were 
kind of teamed up. They were six hours ahead of everybody else. They did the log rolling challenge, which was the last challenge for everyone. They ended up quitting after that because Joe wanted to give them more to do because they were so far ahead. And they're like, no, this, you guys told us this was supposed to be the last challenge. So they quit. They were the winners, essentially, and they quit. So, I mean, don't feel too bad. It's, yeah. It happens, right? It's, it's, you're in a different mind space. You're in a different headspace. But right. it does suck. So do you, does that make you want to go back at all? Yes. It does. It does. But I have mixed feelings because it wouldn't be an Andy event. I feel you. I feel and you. And that was the it last is, Andy event. That was. The events have changed a little bit. Andy still hosts events that are pretty extreme, not quite the same. Yeah, he uh, wants to get me to go to that cold, horrible snow thing. I, I don't do snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he loves the snow. I don't like the snow. You know, the, the frostbite, the losing of the toes. Mm-mm. I feel you on that. I'm definitely, yeah. like, I, I went to plenty of winter death races just to observe, and I was just like, these people are so much stronger than me. Yeah. Yeah, cold is a special kind of hell. Wow, so that's tough. But, I mean, it seems like you probably could have, easily carried on if you knew what you know now absolutely and, and I, especially in hindsight you know yeah, like, yeah. in hindsight you know and and, and, and if that and if that person and if that person didn't give you that out you probably wouldn't have taken it because you wouldn't no, have, like exactly. never have considered that so totally it wasn't even an option until somebody presented it as an option and i was like oh that's an option shit i didn't know yeah. that was an option. and yeah. then you know like knowing that basically we at borden's farm and then the later thing in the water was like the last of it. I was like eight hours away from finishing eight or nine hours away. Yeah. Yeah. You could have done it. I know you could have done it. I do too. I was, you know, it's, it's interesting. I actually had someone had sent me a picture, I think just before that race and it said quitting is not a fucking option. (laughs) So I think I had that in my head. Yeah. If only I could have came over to you and said something. (laughs) I know. Cause when I got back to the camp, my people were like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, I quit. It's cool. I'm good. And they were like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. It's fine. Well, at the time, you felt really good about it. And you, and you felt good about the decision. And I'm sure you've learned a lot from that. You've probably gained a lot of wisdom. And we can talk about that a little bit. But before we get to that, I want to ask you, how did you train for this event? How did you prepare for this? I did a lot of just, you know, normal strength conditioning mm-hmm. and endless walking endless yeah with weight with weight like with a pack or something (laughs) dragon tires oh dragon tires there you go i live in vancouver washington and i hadn't i had graduated pharmacy school but i didn't have a job yet so i had lots of time on my hands and i just walked all over vancouver i mean i know every road (laughs) (laughs) in so many miles just And not even running, just walking. Just walking, yeah. I mean, I think that's a thing too. You don't really need to run too often at the death race. You just need to be able to. You just need to be able to not stop. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And honestly, it wouldn't have broken me. I talked to Dawn afterwards Mm -hmm. because of the my why and because the forest is. I don't have to tell you what the forest is like. It's pretty crazy. It's like church, right? Mm -hmm. That's where I'm most alive. I mean, I was smiling through the whole thing. I was happy. Yeah. You know? And he, he told me later, he's like, you have that armor that we can't break. He called it soft armor. And I was like, that is the best compliment that anybody could ever give me. It, it, we were at the, wherever you get the pancakes downtown. Oh, original, the the original store. general store. Yeah, that and place he, is the best. Exactly. And he said I had soft armor and I was like, all right, I'll take it. That's, that's a great compliment. 
especially especially to get a compliment from Don. It's always a nice thing. (laughs) Speaking of Don, I took notes. And one of the things you asked in your question was like, what was your the stupidest or worst task? And I have to say, honestly, yeah, what was the stupidest task? That was going to be my next question. Do you remember the water Don needed us to collect the freshest, purest? Yes. Oh, my gosh. God, over and over and over. So we're like pretty close to the top of Bloodroot, I think. And at the top of Bloodroot Mountain, Don Devaney's got like a bandana wrapped around his head in some interesting fashion. And he's he's in character for sure at this point, which I always loved about him. He really likes role playing. And I thought that was a fun aspect. And he would tell us that you have to bring him the freshest of water and you had to put it into this. It was cryptic and mysterious. It was very cryptic and mysterious the way he said it. And like, mm-hmm. you had to bring it the right way. And so basically, like, if you want, you can go and explain what we had to do and, and, and tell them. Well, we had to somehow transport water. All we had was part of a log that we had dug out the hole. And I mean, you just had, you know, whatever tools you had. And I kept getting rejected because either it was too small or too big or there wasn't enough water in there. So, I mean, it took me probably six or seven times. And by the time I got it, the sun was going down and we had to get back down blood root. And I mean, I was by myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's when I developed my walk. Okay. <laughs> I, had, I had trained by endless walking, but I didn't know about some certain tricks that I figured out during, which is like this glide. I started doing this like knee bent glide thing that I did the whole rest of it in. It was fantastic and it looks really stupid but it covers a lot of ground quickly and it's very efficient oh interesting so you don't have to run you can still walk but still move pretty quickly but you're moving faster than a walk and that's how i finally caught up to i was running i had been running with two guys i don't remember their names but we still like i occasionally see them on facebook and i'm like those are the two guys one of them was a crossfitter and the other one was i don't remember but that's who I caught up with. And then I ended up spending a lot of time with Harrison Lessons. You know Harrison Lessons? I don't know if I know that name, actually. Yeah, he kept me going for a while. Do you remember the yoga? The terrible, terrible yoga? Oh, my gosh. The hours and hours <laughs> and hours of yoga. Yes, I remember <laughs> oh it very God. well. So we had heard about the terrible yoga. And we had heard that Pax had been dumped out. Mm-hmm. And we had heard that a lot of veterans had been cut. So we were like, all right. We're going to slow down. We're not going to get up there just yet. We're going to go real slow and arrive late. (laughs) Which is sometimes the best strategy. (laughs) Which is sometimes the best strategy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we get to the top. There's a huge mountain of people's packs and bags. All the shit is all over the ground. Me, the pharmacist, I'm thinking, oh, my God, what if there's medication in there? How are they going to get away with this? This could really screw someone's life up. And, yeah, people are in all these random yoga poses. But the geography or the Explorer quiz, I had studied my ass off. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I was so ready for that. You remember the quiz? I do remember it. And I remember some of the answers I think were like wrong. Like I was totally going to nail that quiz. Yeah. I was going to 100% nail that quiz. The yoga was hard. The um, yoga was hard. The yoga was Watching hard. people get cut was hard. Ella got cut right in front of me. Ella and Amelia Boone. and Amelia like, had been cut right before I got there. Right before Ella you got, got there. While I was there. And then the guy, I can't remember his name, the firefighter, one of the first responders at 9-11, was like screaming because Ella got cut. Mm-hmm. He was crying. 
it was yeah it was madness i mean and it it was probably one of the more irresponsible things that happened at a death race um i mean the packs the men yeah the packs it was it was, it was ridiculous it was it put all of us into a kind of like a little bit of a frenzy and I think after the fact, they realized maybe that wasn't the best idea. They, they'll probably never admit it, but, um, you know, it wasn't the best idea because people's medications. There's so many reasons, like, at least keep people stuffed together so they can find it. Don't, exactly. if you want to take their packs and move them or whatever, that's right. cool. But, like, ID and but like throwing everything everywhere, mm-hmm. that was, like, eee. Yeah. I was I was not too thrilled about that either. I tried really hard to strategically, like, I had, like, everything in dry bags so everything I pulled out was already in another bag. So I was hoping like nice. that would be, and I cl- tried to clip those together, but they unclipped them. So all my dry bags were like everywhere. Everybody it wasn't, it still wasn't everywhere. as bad, but it was still kind of, I think I got everything back. <laughs> what did you, what did you do with the, the buckskin? Oh gosh. I made like a very elaborate skirt. I made an elaborate dress and that shit was hot as fuck. Yeah, it was really hot. I didn't actually get buckskin. I got some sort of pleather. Because it was cheaper, and I was trying not to like spend money, and that was really awful when the sun. Oh yeah. Oh, that so, so they crazy. made us. They made us during one part of the race. We had to put like, it was 108 stitches, I think, or something like that. Yes. Specific amount of stitches. Specific amount of stitches. And we had to basically make a garb out of this buckskin that we had to carry around for forever, and it was it was something else i'll tell you it was like that stitching that was that was something that was making my patience it was definitely <laughs> trying it <laughs> right i still but, have my quill do you still have your quill i don't i don't okay. even know what happened to it i think i dropped it through and was like peace i'm out <laughs> right yeah, i grabbed my through and i was like i'm keeping your ass and it went right into an empty noon container oh cool what a great what a great little memory <laughs> so yeah that yoga i remember it was like we were holding poses for like 8 minutes at a time that was yeah, it was rough. It's like very. That was some very intense. Oh, I'm totally drawing a blank on the type of yoga that is. It's actually a type of yoga though, where you hold poses for a right. long time. Yin Yin yoga. Yes, is is where you hold poses for a long time. So essentially, they were doing Yin yoga, and you were just like, "All right, put your legs over your head for like eight minutes, and then you know do this pose for eight minutes." And <laughs> that was if there naughty. was ever a, a time during the death race of 2014 where you could say, "Oh yes, I'm physically fit," it was during that. <laughs> If you could do that, if if you could hang with that, which I Harrison was there, I didn't get cut there. I made it through that. I mean, I never, I never actually got cut at all. No, you, yeah. I walked away. Yeah. Borden's farm. <laughs> so, what would you say was the most difficult task? The most difficult task? It. Where? Oh. Because okay. if those were crazy, what was difficult? What was the difficult? For me, yeah, because those were crazy. But for me personally, the most difficult there was. I got penalized for something. I don't remember what. It involved rolling. You had to do forward rolls. <laughs> yeah, I think Peter Borden made us do like a hundred forward rolls, a hundred mm-hmm. backward rolls. Yeah. Like- Yep, and I started vomiting, and mm-hmm. I vomited for the better. And that's, and that's, and that's why they do it. It's a Navy SEAL tactic, actually, to like try mm-hmm. to get people to induce vomiting and see if they can withstand it. And it's yep, which it didn't break me. I, it doesn't break you, but it sucks. It did suck. It did suck. I remember Amy, Amy Meyer was also rolling near. Oh me. yes, yes. And I remember finding one little corner behind the banner next to the fence where I would puke, <laughs> just try to leave it there. And then, you know, when I got out of there, it, you know, you were low-key dehydrated for a long time. Yeah, it's tough to recover from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got the headache out of that and everything. And then it was really hard to eat after that. It was hard to keep the nutrition. Ugh. 
That's after awful. the vomiting. Speaking of nutrition, what did what did you use to sustain yourself? What were some of the key foods that you ate? Tell us kind of how you did that. So I have an advantage over other human mammals in this area because I take no pleasure from food. It's purely sustenance. And honestly, I live on like boost and beef jerky. Uh, so you're a food for fuel and that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't care about comfort. I don't mm-hmm. care about it. I get nothing out of it. It's just to eat. That's it. So for, for you, it didn't really matter what you had. As long as you had something, you could just throw it in. That's that's yeah. actually, that's really a huge advantage. I struggle because... <laughs> I just, I mean, I just recently did a hundred miler where I was like, I didn't want to eat anything I had. It was the worst. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Was there anything that you actually enjoyed that you did want to have or liked? Or was I don't it, remember. No, it, it didn't it, matter. It was just it, all food. Like when I came to this question in your notes, I was like, shit, I have no idea because I know that like those protein drinks, those boosts, mm-hmm. that's my jam. Yeah, just get a protein drink. They go down easy and they get you what you need. They're extra protein plus you know their calories and liquid. So that's that a, and, and that's, water. That's and awesome. Good. That's like a superpower right there. <laughs> How'd you stay awake? Did you use anything to stay awake or was it? I kept my caffeine tabs in reserves. Yeah. Until I didn't start popping caffeine tabs until the night where you were crashing around in the woods behind me. That's when I first started needing the caffeine. So yeah. just like. And that was like something like 40 hours or so in, I believe. Exactly. So, yeah. We were already on like day almost three at mm-hmm. that point. And mm-hmm. just the event itself kept me awake because it's interesting and challenging it is it's hard those moments where you're connected with all of life i mean i've tried to explain this to people that don't do endurance events and they just don't get it it's a really hard thing to explain it's you have to experience it you right like the being the connectedness like you get yourself into that place where you're stripped bare emotionally. Well, it's 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 like our hierarchy of needs, right? Like yes, massive we, hierarchy it's, it's, of needs. You're down at the bottom. We are yes. at the very bottom, and all that matters is survival. And when you're exactly. in that state, you feel more alive than ever. Exactly. Right now, you're society doing. and everything, we are so high up that, like, you know, we're worried about such little petty things because you know. So like, when you get to have all that stripped away from you and removed, that's that's when you realize, oh, this is what it's like to just, just exactly. to be. Did you hallucinate at all out there? I did hallucinate. I did. I started seeing like leaf and tree people. Like <laughs> the leaves would start morphing into faces and then they would say shit to me. They would be like, that's not real. I'm hallucinating. What kind of stuff did they say to you? Do you remember? positive and uplifting messages oh that's cool yeah like i didn't get any negative anything i didn't have any negativity at all until literally the moment where i said oh i can quit oh okay i had a wonderful beautiful experience in the woods like even during the hardship like i remember one of the early hardship things was the dragging of the stones we had to use like crappy little pieces of rope and come alongs or whatever you had to drag stones. And that was hard. Yeah. I remember it was hard, but it was good. It was good anyway. Oof. And I just really enjoyed That's nice. It. That's really nice. <laughs> I, I cannot relate to that. <laughs> hey, I do have one funny story. This is, this is, you'll enjoy Yeah, this. let's hear this. Yeah. I think it was day two because it was right around the time Chris Accord's feet started to go sideways. Mm-hmm. And, Joe and his kid were still out there. 
Yes. Remember yes, that yeah, Joe's kid was doing it? Okay. Yeah, Joe's kid was trying to do as long as he could. and Right? So it was right around the time that his kid stopped because I saw Joe by himself. And mm-hmm. I saw him and I can't remember what started the conversation, but I ended up saying, do you want to know what I think about your book? <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> Literally, all the other competitors around me were like, shoot, scatter. <laughs> With like low... Like, I do not want to be a part of this. <laughs> Let me get as far away from her as possible right now. And yeah, I went on to tell Joe everything that I thought was wrong with this book. <laughs> and I offered to be a quality assurance person for his next one. <laughs> and he did not punish me for any of that conversation. So all those people that scattered away from me... Y'all didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, I think he's, he's one of those people that really does respect good feedback. You know, I've found that he's, he definitely, he takes it, takes it well. Yeah. Yeah. He was chill. It was good. He, he respected my opinions and thanked me for them. And we even had a, like some brief email correspondence after that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was fine. So was there a defining moment in the event that like just made you feel alive, made you feel connected? Several. Yeah. Yeah. What were, what was like an example? Do you remember the, it was in the nighttime. Well, yeah, the timeline might be different from you because you may have finished your tasks before me. We had to do the stupid log past the quill thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. It yes, was yes. at night. So, so we had the log. It had to be a hole in the center. A hole to get the quill through it. And the, mm-hmm. you, so you had to somehow take a log. You couldn't split it because you had to have a hole in the center of it you don't really have any tools that can easily make this on you. And so you're trying to figure out how to do that. And then you had to be able to pass a porcupine quill through the center of that hole that you'd made. Exactly. It was a really difficult task. It was very strange. So it was right after that. And somehow or another, I hooked up with a group of about 10 people and we headed back out to go wherever we had to go. And we're just quietly, everybody, nobody's saying anything. Just everybody is silent and someone farts. and no one giggled oh no one giggled and i was like yep we're in it because if farts aren't funny you know shit's gotten real shit's gotten real real if you're if a a fart's not as funny as i just laughed then yeah it's it's you're in it yeah nobody said anything the fart happened and we just kept moving and everybody was quiet wow yeah you get it i do i do okay so you went through this really incredible event. Where did your courage come from to do this? And I ask this question because I think there's a couple of different camps out there. It's, you know, innately we're born with courage and we have it and we just are naturally courageous and are going to go do things that are scary. And then there's also the other camp where like, hey, you know, you can develop courage and create courage and breed it almost and like kind of make people become more courageous. Do you think that you were part of the former or latter I think both. I don't think that I knew that I was the former until I went through that. Okay. Like I said, the impetus for doing it in the first place was what I had perceived as my massive failure to myself and to my children after Katrina. Mm -hmm. But I have courage. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. How did you develop the power to overcome like all these adversities. I mean, you went through this Katrina thing. How did you develop like the strength and the power to start coming overcoming all of this after that and to get yourself to doing a death race? 
if we're being honest, I had a very traumatic childhood. And yeah. I had to survive a lot of shit anyway. Yeah. And one of the things that I learned early was I can outweigh anything. <laughs> yeah. I can outlast this, whatever this is. <laughs> so yeah, that I mean that is it's not the best way to acquire that talent, but it sure is real. Yeah, yeah. I mean it happens. It happens. Sometimes I, um, sometimes it's our traumas that like really make us stronger people. And then because of that my mantra is the only way through it is through it. And, yeah. and that's true for yeah. whatever it is that you're going through. If you run, I mean, you if you, if you run, it. you can, if you run away from it, it's probably going to eventually catch up to you. You have exactly. to face it. You have to face it head on. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, if you obsess about how long it's going to take, it's just going to take longer. If you worry about how far you've come, you just need to get out of all that stay right now, right here. And the only way through it is through it. That's it. That's right how you here right now. That's all you have. That's exactly how you do it. Right no matter what, no matter what it is in life, it's a, it's a death race. It's a, anything. Exactly. It's, you just I have, have a tattooed to. On my wrist. Yeah. I got my first tattoo. What can is you it? See that? Yeah. Can oh. you? Like, um, I can't really see it exactly on there. Can you say it? Too faint. It's too faint. It says here. Period. Now. Period. I love it. I love it. Yeah, because it's all we have. That is. You're here. You're now. It's that present. It's being in the present exactly. moment. I love that. Exactly. Um, so what wisdom, I mean, I think we kind of already maybe touched on this, but what wisdom did you gain from your dance with death? I am stronger than I believe possible. Oh, here's a fun fact. Okay. I did death race never having done anything longer than a half marathon. Wow. Everybody that thinks that they can't do things is only lying to themselves because I had never gone longer than a half a marathon. Wow. That's huge. <laughs> at a time. Yeah. I mean, at a time. Yeah, that's you know? that's that's a huge and, uh, that's a huge leap. I mean, that was why I felt the need to create Spartan Endurance because I was like, how the heck do you get from a half marathon obstacle race up to a death race? You, it's exactly. like I wanted to create exactly. stepping stones, and wow, that's a big leap. <laughs> yep, and I mean, the thing about it is, is if we don't know where the finish line is, we're so much more capable than we realize. Mm-hmm. Like when you know how far you have to go. I don't know if this is true for you, but this is certainly true for me. If I'm in like any kind of a race and I know where the finish line is, the hardest part of it is like right before. Yep. But if you don't know what's coming, you can go forever. <laughs> it's it's the reason why I really loved Spartan Race in the early days because they didn't release the distance. They didn't release the map. They didn't release the obstacles. Everything was unknown. The death exactly. race was super appealing because everything was unknown. Exactly. That's what made those events so appealing because... When I know the distance for me, it's it's I'm counting it down. I'm like, okay, I don't exactly. have to go this many more miles. Okay, I only have to go this many more miles. And it's like that's it's not the greatest way to get through it because you know you're constantly just thinking about getting to the end, which is not what you should be doing. You know, you should, Knowing, be, you're you're should missing, be here and now. Right. You're missing the experience itself because you're you're either thinking about the future, which is how far I have to go, or the past, which is how far I've come, instead right. of staying in this moment. And it's so much easier to stay in this moment if you don't know what's coming, which is analogous to life. Exactly. So I feel like everybody should do death race. Yeah. And we would all be better humans. I, I agree. I definitely <laughs> agree with that because doing stuff like that really, really changes it, changes you. And then and, and with that statement, like who were you before the death race and who are you now? I was Leah Erickson, mm-hmm. mom, pharmacist, mm-hmm. death racer. I was a death racer before I did death race. Yeah. And you still are. And I still am. And I will go back eventually. 
as you know, I had surgery on my hip, the same one that you did with the yes. same surgeon. Oh, you and went to him. Yes, yes, that's I right. Did. Yes, I yes. did. I did. I had it in June. How'd it go? Uh, it, I have my two little holes in my, ha- in my hip. Yep, yep. It went well, and I just, in the last couple of weeks, have been able to start running again. Awesome. So you're on it the road to recovery turn. now. Oh, it yeah, is. It, it is. And it's, it it's is. constant, but... I am so thankful I had it done. I'm glad that you Same. went to Dr. King. He was Same. such a good doctor. I would not have done it if you didn't put on Facebook. When you said about you were dragging your leg, dude, I'm dragging my leg. What is wrong it was, with my leg? I, I had yeah. Ella behind me. We were in LA running up some little like cliffside. And I was like, Ella, can you just watch my run and tell me if like what's going on with my right leg? And yeah. she's like, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're just dragging it. And I was like, oh shit, this is really bad. I need to fix this now. Exactly. And that's when I finally did it. And I'm glad yeah. to hear that you did it too. Because yeah. both of us had a, a labrum tear in our hip. And it's it's a nasty, nasty injury. And if you get it fixed, it's so much better than trying to just deal with it. Trust us. Totally. <laughs> did you ever find out how you did it? Because I finally figured out how I did it. Oh, that. I know how I did it. Because it all the pain all started after the, I was in an accident at the New Jersey Beast. Or New Jersey Super. Um 12-hour hurricane heat in Vernon, New Jersey, and we were in a gator that rolled down the mountain. And that's how I did it. And oh, man. It was, I did every single type of therapy after that, and it was rough. But then after four years of being torn, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this. It sucked. Right. I hated where I was. deep inside pain that you can't get to. There's no And, and, it, and it would show it. up in every other area. Like it showed up in my piriformis, and it showed up right. in my IT band, and it would yes. show up like just everywhere. And I was like, so, what is this? I would try right? to treat those pain areas not knowing where it was originating from like you were getting all these collateral injuries from Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. exactly i Mm -hmm. ended up with all kinds of other problems that i didn't understand i went on you know from the top of the mountain down this two-year slide into what the hell is going on i keep getting injury after injury after injury and it all ultimately traced back to that which was from squatting heavy with a narrow stance yeah don't squat narrow, people. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. And if you if you have a lot of pain, go get it checked out. It's, exactly. It's definitely <laughs> worth it. So, you know, after this conversation, you said that you think you would do it again. I think you should do it again. I think you need to get back out there and get that Let's win. Let's do it. I think you need to get that. I need you need to get that win. You know. I do. Um, I do. I need to make peace. <laughs> well, I hope that you do get out there. Before we conclude, I always like to ask everyone, because for me, I like to read books, and obviously I wrote a book about this, and for me, I like to read a lot of stuff to try to do self-help and just try to learn more and read about adventures and all this stuff. So, like, you know, some people may read books to get into the right mindset, I mean, or maybe you just have a good book that might help someone get in the mindset. So, are there any books that you would recommend someone that would want to take on a death race that might help them get that, that mindset for doing something like this? Anything to do with Zen Buddhism. Yeah? Literally. Any Anything book on Zen Buddhism. Is there like yeah. a favorite? Do you have a favorite? No. No? I, I don't specifically. Nothing at the top of my head? Just any way to get into that mindset of that there's nothing. There's nothing but you right now. Mm-hmm. And you're connected to every other life form out there. I love that. I, I, I've, I've done a lot of Zen and Buddhism studying and it's definitely one of the many philosophies that I like to to follow and dig into. So just go on Amazon and Google some Zen stuff and some Buddhism and see what you can find out. Maybe you'll unlock something. Thank you so much. Is there anything that's coming up next for you other than this next death race that we're in? 
I am so thankful. I got on my treadmill today and I got up to eight miles per hour. Oh my God. Ooh, that is awesome. <laughs> For me, that's huge. Like it is. It's it's, it's it's like those little tiny that was my favorite part about the recovery was like these little milestones I would get so happy about. It was like, oh my God, I just went out and lived like a mile walk. Oh my God. I, <laughs> exactly. I just did I just did like, you know, a two mile hike. It was just exactly. like all those little tiny things. That's what gets you there. It's like it's like the humbling I don't know about how humbling your surgical experience was, but oh, it was like, humbling. I, oh, it was humbling. <laughs> and to get to the bathroom, like I would collapse on the toilet. <laughs> Just having to ask someone for help because you're like, this right? is going to be too much work for me. Like I can do it, but it's going to take so long. Can you just help me? It's humbling. It really, exactly. really is. Makes so you, now it makes you appreciate of, of like you say, just a one mile walk is a, is a privilege. It is. After it is. having you know, had your leg dislocated and then scrape around, scrape away all the debris. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. All the calcium deposits that built up in there. Totally. Uh, he was a little horrified. I know he was low key horrified because he said, oh, you had a, some extensive damage in there. And he said it like three times. <laughs> I was like, oh, it must be really bad. <laughs> yeah. He told me, he's like, yeah, when I got in there, your He's like, it was very angry. It was a very, your, your hip was very angry. And I was like, it's yeah. <laughs> a great way to describe it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we tend to break ourselves, endurance athletes. Yeah. Facts. And the thing is, we just need to keep taking care of ourselves so we can keep going. Exactly. Doing the things we love. Well, exactly. Leah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and your legend with all of us. Hey, Thank you for letting me. everyone out there, go out there and do it and live in the here and now. Is there anywhere that you would want anyone to follow you or do you want to share? I, don't know. I, I mean, I stay on Facebook from time to time, but people that know me know that I'm just like in and out of being social. I'm very, I'm a loner. I'm an introvert. For me to do this is kind of huge, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Well, look, look at you getting out of your comfort zone again. Yep. There yep. you go. That's so. what it's all about. Well, again, thank you so much for being here with us and stay tuned for more legends from the past death racers don't forget to subscribe to the podcast just a quick reminder my legend of the death race book is coming out soon if you haven't already go to the legend of the death race website at legendofthedeathrace.com click on the banner for the pre-order and sign up to get on our mailing list and you'll be the first to know when the book is released thank you again for tuning in if you'd like to stay up to date on my current adventures and training you can follow me on instagram or facebook just search the handle at that endurance guy or visit www.thatenduranceguy.com We'll see you on the next time on the Legend of the Death Race podcast. Now go create your own legend.